let's talk a little bit about Ask and Tell and the idea of self-advocacy. Tell us a little bit about the book first, and then and then I'd really love to get your opinion about a couple of different things that, uh, as I was saying during the break, people tend to have very strong opinions about self-advocacy and disclosure. So uh, let's start with the book. Tell us about what's in that book. Oh, sure. Well, the genesis of the book was that um, I had noticed that there was no education and very little even conversation about self-advocacy for people on the autism spectrum. So as a result, I convened a, a number of self-advocates all on the autism spectrum, and we held an entire day pre-conference at an Autism Society of America conference. And the preparation for that pre-conference was to form the foundation of the people who were involved in this workshop, it, it, it formed the foundation for their contributions to the book. So what the book is, uh, is um, six people all on, all on the autism spectrum who give their take on the importance of self-advocacy and how it can be done effectively. Okay. So, and we, and you were mentioning that self-advocacy and disclosure, if you're advocating for yourself, just the sheer process of doing that, you're disclosing um, your diagnosis. So how do you feel about first disclosure? Do you feel like it's something, um, how has it been in your life? Do you disclose to people? When do you disclose? How do you do that? And how have you found it to be? Yes. Well, this is a, these are very important questions. And in order to properly advocate for oneself, one has to know how autism affects you as an individual. Uh, so that, mean, that means building a foundation of, you might say, disclosure to the individual that they do have autism, and this is what it means to them, this is how it affects them. Once there is this understanding, the person on the autism spectrum uh, is now empowered to engage in a three-step process for advocacy. And the first step is what might be called scanning the environment. So in other words, where in the environment do you see potential challenges? So for example, myself, a challenge for me is recessed lighting, sometimes known as down light. So the lights that are recessed in the ceiling, and they point down. Standing or sitting under one of these lights is like looking into a spotlight for probably for most other people. So one, I keep aware of where these lights are and try to keep away from them. Uh, however, sometimes that's not always possible. And then comes the second step, which is the advocacy effort. So for example, I might say to my supervisor, uh, you know, these lights are really bright. I wonder if I might wear a hat in, in, at work. Or uh, if I'm sitting with a friend at a restaurant, I wonder if we might be able to change seats at the table or perhaps move to another table. So, so the advocacy effort has to be done in a way that somebody else can understand and provide support. And then the third step is the disclosure piece. Because if you're going to ask for greater mutual understanding, if you're asking for a modification in the environment, you have to provide a reason why. And therein comes the choice of a full disclosure or a partial disclosure. So most of the time I would go for a partial disclosure and say, 
I, I have really sensitive eyes. These lights give me a headache. Rather than going for the entire diagnosis, which would be a full disclosure. So often the question comes, when is it appropriate to advocate and disclose? And I believe that if the effect of having autism, such as visual sensitivity that I just talked about, significantly impacts a situation or a relationship, then it is time to consider developing a plan for advocacy. If it doesn't affect the situation, then there's no reason to disclose or to advocate. Well, it it's all sounds so much easier when you put it that way. <laughs> and I know, and, and I think your examples were just really wonderful, Dr. Shore. I think when a lot of us um, hear the term self-advocates, um, it, it has started to come to mean individuals um, and it shouldn't, and I, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I think sometimes it, it now comes with, with this stigma of the fact that it's individuals who are um, not always uh, advocates for therapies. Um, and I see this happening in the autism community, and I'm really concerned about it as a parent because my son's growing. He's 11 and a half now. And I know that already he's starting to say to me, Mom, you know, when you talk about this, I would rather you talk about it in these terms. And I want to hear that. Who, oh, sure. who better to tell me how I should be talking about autism than individuals who are on the autism spectrum? And I really feel very passionately that we need to honor our self-advocates but I feel like the community is getting into this place where it feels like we're, we're at odds um, on a regular basis. And I wonder if you see that happening as well, and if you have any words of wisdom for the parents so that we can get on a page where we're, where we're more accepting of what our advocates are telling us. Oh, sure. Um, I think sometimes what is important to make sure that we remember is that for those of us who are on the spectrum, for those of us who are parents, educators, doctors, therapists, or anybody involved in supporting a person with autism, everybody, I think everybody can agree that we want to reduce suffering. Yes. And so, for example, if a person with autism has such sensory issues that they cannot bear to remain in their skin, they cannot, that person cannot attend a class, most classes at a university, they cannot go into a supermarket, uh, they cannot engage in many of the activities of life, then something needs to be done about that. Uh, another example, we have many people on the spectrum who have such gastrointestinal issues that nothing's going to happen until we fix that. And it's not fixing the person with autism because the person with autism isn't broken, but it might be addressing something that relates to the digestive system. It might be adjusting the sensory system through occupational therapy. And the goal is of intervention, whether it's sensory, whether it's educational, whether it's biomedical, is to help the person be the best person on the autism spectrum that they can be because autism is here to stay. It's not something that uh, can be removed or eliminated or cured. I don't think it's a, even a good idea to do that. But what we do need to do is help people be as productive and successful and lead meaningful lives as possible 
as a person on the autism spectrum. I, I can't agree more. I want to go back to something you said, though, because I think it's where the heart of the controversy is, it, that um, the idea of being able to help an individual with symptoms that they're having versus eradicating the autism. And I think certainly as a parent, it's taken me a lot of years to understand the difference between the two. Um, that when your child is throwing themselves on the floor and hitting themselves on the, the kitchen floor and a doctor says to you, uh, well, your child has autism, I think it's a, it, it, you immediately go to the place of, oh, my, my son is hitting his head against the kitchen floor because of the autism. It took me probably three years to figure out, no, the autism wasn't making him hit his head against the floor. His frustration due to some of the things that were happening that he didn't know that was partially because the autism was, was preventing him from learning things in the way that we were teaching it, not that he couldn't learn it, but that we were teaching it in a way that he couldn't get it, that frustration was making him hit the floor. But that took me three years um, to get to. And I think a lot of parents are still on that space where they're thinking, my child is behaving in this way that's causing suffering because of the autism. What, as somebody who teaches about autism, what, what do you want to say to those parents? Well, I think the thing we need to do is to do what we can to understand autism, understand how autism affects people, talking to those of us on the autism spectrum for firsthand experience, and to do what we can to help that person with autism lead a fulfilling and productive life. The potential of people with autism is just like the potential of everybody else. It's unlimited. Yeah. And I know um, we're, we're pre-taping this segment so parents aren't able to write in and ask questions, but I know that somebody would want to ask of you, Dr. Shore, if you're, because we see you as parents and we go, oh, look at, look at how wonderful your life appears to be, that they're, but they're going to want to know, are you happy? Do you have a full life? Do you feel like you're being held back in any way because of autism? Yeah, well, those are very good questions. I, I feel that I lead a fulfilling and productive life. Uh, I'm married to a wonderful woman, and we are going to celebrate our 25th anniversary in the next month or two. Uh, I enjoy what I'm doing, and that is teaching about autism. And sure, there are still challenges of autism that I face today, some of them relating to sensory issues, others such as difficulty in remembering faces, which can, can be a challenge, especially as a college professor who where it's a good idea to know who your students are. And sometimes dealing with subtle social situations, uh, such as office politics or mixed messages in general. So the challenges of autism do remain. And I think one of the important keys to achieving a fulfilling and productive life is to remain in your areas of strength. And that probably holds for everybody, whether they have autism or not. Well, Dr. Shore, I, again, I think it was so, you were so worthy of getting one of the most 10 inspirational people in the last 10 years on the autism spectrum. You inspire us. Uh, I can't wait for our audience to be able to see this interview. There will probably be some questions afterwards. Uh, would it be okay if there were questions if I forward those to you? Yeah, you can certainly forward the questions to me, or they're welcome to email me through my website. And let's uh, tell them or, what the website is again. 
Okay, one more time for the website. It's www.autismasperger.net. And if you forget, then the, uh, the URL to the website, if you type in my name, Stephen Shore, that's about with a PH, and the word autism after it, then my website will pop up pretty quickly on Google. And likewise, if you do the same on uh, YouTube, there's a number of videos. Wonderful. And we should mention that people can get uh, the DVD or any of the books by going to that site as well, and that you are available as a speaker. If somebody wants to book you for their organization, they can do that through the website as well.